Business ethics. <laughs> Put on your big Hollywood sunglasses and light the torch, because it's cellar time. Welcome to the Crack Cellar. As the prophecy was once drowned in the tears of Final Fantasy fanboys. I'm to you, Spirit Penguin Daniel. And I am Prophet Broadcaster Nichols. <laughs> and today we talk about how flippantly Square Enix has decided to add Yuffie to a re-release of a game that came out last year. Uh, Broadcaster Nichols, as you know, in the original FF7, Yuffie didn't even appear till the very end of the fucking game. Uh... Given the fact that FF7 Remake is clearly rebooting the storyline from Midgar on, do you have a problem with Yuffie showing up in Midgar now like this? I have a problem with everything. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> After 2020, I've decided that there will be nothing that is cherished. There are no more sacred cows. Nope. Everything bleeds. And, um... Fall Fantasy is just one of those one of those things, sadly. I I never thought I'd come to a time where I just am trying to forget about the remake. And I'm just hoping sixteen is gonna be good. Because mm. there's some good talent behind it and it looks good. It actually looks like a Fall Fantasy. It's new. <laughs> yeah. But you know, back to Fall Fantasy Seven, yeah. I just Yuffie, Yuffie, the fact that the, she's a standalone episode, which is something I called a long time ago, mm. just worries me. And I said it, I said it, I thought it was going to be more important characters. I thought it was going to be more of a bigger deal. The fact that their first one is Yuffie and with another character that never was even in the original game mentioned at all, just totally brand new, just worries me. Because yeah. what happens next? What happens if, and not, it, you know, it, this might be a pessimistic take, but still, what happens next is if this Yuffie episode is remotely successful and the executives over there are saying, oh, the kids like Yuffie, let's bring her into more places where she wasn't and give them more in, in turn, give them more opportunities to make mistakes with the, the next installment of the IP. You know, same thing with Vincent Valentine, who's going to be the next extra character running up in the um, the character log for Final Fantasy seven. And he he's kind of a hybrid one, you know, where he's an extra character, but his storyline is directly intertwined with a main arc of the story. And you pass by him. So I'm just him coming next in the chopping block for these episodes really worries me. I'm like, now you're getting into territory where you're not just doing these new standoff episodes. You're going to be holding some content hostage from the original game in these episodes. 
Well, it's new content broadcaster Nichols. They're not this time anything. around. <laughs> this time around. <laughs> what happens when the weapons episodes come out where you have yeah. to, you know, if you want to fight Emerald and Ruby weapon, well, that's an episode. <laughs> yeah. It seems like my worst fears are being realized. Uh, Can you imagine originally... Knights around and W summon is a paid package. You want a Chocobo, you want a Chocobo farm or breed. That's, that's another $15. <laughs> yeah, originally this was one game. Then, you know, they're like, oh, well, we're going to split it up into uh, multiple games. And there was a rumor that it was going to be six. Then it was a rumor it was going to be three. Uh, I don't know what the current rumor is. I don't think there's an official word on it. But this precedent that they're now setting with Yuffie is an odd one because on one hand you can say, well, they're just doing it because it's a special thing with the PS5's launch and they're not going to do it again because there isn't going to be a PS6. Oh God, I hope there isn't a PS6 before that this fucking remake finishes. <laughs> if there is, we have bigger problems to talk about. Wouldn't that be insane? Cause you could officially, you could literally say, I heard about FF seven remake when I was still playing on the PS2 and the PS3 was, in the pipe and then the ps3 came and it never came and then the ps4 came and at the tail end we finally got it part one <laughs> and then by the time part two comes out <laughs> not even halfway through the game <clears throat> ps6 is on the horizon <laughs> yeah yeah you know you see the state of play for sony and you're thinking okay for square what do we want to see we want to see ff7 remake part two we want to see ff16 more of ff16 and uh maybe maybe some updates on the next mmorpg maybe a final fantasy 17 that's a new mmo or i don't know uh but what we end up getting is two mobile game two ff7 mobile games and a re-release of the current chapter of the remake and for i i observed the hype around this and i was baffled there is serious hype around this you know info dump if you will and i am i'm just confused by it first of all it's just a re-release with a Yuffie chapter added in or whatever the hell it is. I doubt it's going to be more than like four or five hours of content. And you should be a little insulted by the fact that you're not getting Yuffie for free as an early adopter. I pre-ordered FF7 Remake Part 1 a year in advance, Broadcaster Nichols. Yeah. And they're going to try and make me pay $25 for Yuffie? You can go fuck yourselves. All right. Yeah, I bought the I bought the collect not the like the really expensive collector's edition, but the the eighty dollar one with the ten case. I didn't mm-hmm. you don't get any discount or you didn't get any pre order bonus to get that for free when it eventually came out. Not even the major pe- collector's edition people, people that paid like hundreds of dollars. Like, yeah. it's just such a burn, dude. Nowadays to get treated <laughs> like that, I it is. I don't see how any hype is ever generated, but. Yeah, it I is. Know. I think that hyped. I think the hype always comes from people that don't pay for things. You know, like I guess the thing I don't really think about sometimes is that when you're on these social media accounts and stuff, it is a lot of kids and stuff like that that don't actually pay their way through life yet. They might have like side jobs. They might have minimum wage jobs or whatever. They're still living with their parents, and their parents are still paying their way most part. 
you know, especially if they have a lot of free time to be on social media as it is talking about these things. Yeah. So when they come to the table with these attitudes, like you got to remember that, you know, like they don't actually pay for any of this. They're just like, oh, sweet. My parents get to pay 25 bucks for you. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. And all that isn't even the worst news that comes out of this. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The whole info dump is surrounded by just absolute trash. Casually Tetsuya Nomura just, you know, offhandedly says, I'm not doing the second the second chapter of FF7 remake. I got, yeah. you know, I got Kingdom Hearts 7 to worry about, guys. Get sh- get the fuck out. That's basically <laughs> what he says and I'm just sitting there like, okay, so so you dump two mobile games and a re-release and just kind of submarine in Tetsuya Mura admitting he isn't even working on the next one and you're just like, wow. Okay. Yep. So so uh, and release the battle royale <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> What a spit in the face. Yeah, a mobile battle royale, by the way, with horrible looking graphics. And it looks like it could be good if they put a lot of effort into it and put it on PC where it belongs. But no, it's a cash grab. Clearly, it's a cash grab. Yeah. I mean, it looks like a really, really, really low budget League of Legends battle royale. Yeah. You know? It does. That's I mean, if you took League of Legends from the top down and turned it into third person or first person battle royale traditional view, then that that's pretty much what you're getting. Or Smite, like Smite's a good comparison. Yeah, too. exactly. Yeah, yeah. There's another one that's pretty new too, where it kind of looks like Fortnite, but it's like fantasy. Hmm. You like yeah. throw fireballs and ice bolts and shit at each other. You I'm fly falling. all over the place. I'm falling oh. off the battle royale wagon really hard lately. Yeah. I I reinstalled Warzone on my PS4 uh just because I was like, well, I can play it with a little less cheaters than the PC version. I haven't fired it up once like since I installed it. I just like have no interest anymore and I'm just wondering what? if this is like what happened to MOBAs in like the early 2010s is what's happening to battle royales right now. Uh I mean, I think cheating is just becoming, I think, I don't think it's that the game's dying. I think cheating is just resurging to such a weird degree because of streaming and the popularity contest and like revenue and like the demand to be a good gamer. You know, it's like, (laughs) it's so weird, but like Uh, cheating to us used to be just like this scarlet letter. Yeah, it just well, like when we grew up, it, cheating was one of two things. It was you're on a single player game, you've demolished the fuck out of it, you just want to have some fun, you're throwing cheats yeah. into doom or something like that, right? Or you're just a loser that can't play like something like an RPG, like Final Fantasy VII, for instance, and so you throw your game shark in and get your character up to nine 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 and bug the game the fuck out of the game just so you can play it you know like that those were the two like calibers of cheaters so going forward into the present day when we see like these cheaters on fall guys for instance cough cough (laughs) i still can't believe that's real when you told me that someone got caught cheating at fall guys i thought somebody that makes six figures gets caught you know like but anyways that's like that's just peak 2020 
Yeah, but we we take our mentalities from the '90s and stuff, and we're just like, "What fucking losers!" Like, how could you like even begin to start to cheat, let alone on Fall Guys? And but then you really dive into it, and you're like, "Well, this is their lives. This is like their livelihood. Like, they need to be a good player in the moment." It's like I can imagine kids right now that are 18, 20 something young that are like getting into streaming, getting high recognition, being known as like those expert gamers, getting into their late thirties and still doing streaming. God forbid, hopefully there's something going better in their lives or whatever. But imagine these people that are left behind and still streaming, even maybe even to their late twenties and they're just not competing with these young kids anymore. Right. So they start cheating. That's the type of cheater you're starting to see in this day and age. Or is that caliber, you know, like I have to cheat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's infected every corner of online gaming to the point where I, I feel like I'm slowly just reverting back to single player games and I'm becoming less and less interested in new multiplayer games because it's just like, why waste your time putting hours and hours into a Call of Duty game or any type of game that's competitive when you you can clearly see in some of these games that the cheating rate is like incredibly high and it's like if you're going to do that it's almost like you have to cheat too or it's pointless and then you start to think about that and it's like wow dude this is going to get bad really quick like if this cheating problem isn't stopped and there's a bizarre lack of urgency on this, the behalf of developers when it comes to this cheating too. Like this is not new. This it's really blossomed in the last year, but cheating has been becoming more and more of a problem for years. These developers don't care. Like they're not doing anything to stop it. Most of the time. It, it is. I really wonder if the, if the cheating creators are in bed with the developers and like the developers are like here this is how you make your cheat we get 45 percent of your revenue it makes oh, me wonder yeah. yeah dude i wouldn't doubt that i i mean now that you say it the fact that you could say it so fluidly and put it out into the world means that it was a thought that came by many other human beings yeah time time again you know it's just like it's just one of the obvious outcomes you know <laughs> yeah it is uh well before we move on to our preview of another remake mortal kombat i would like to ask you one question what do you think of ff7 ever crisis the <laughs> the odd mobile remake of ff7 that combines the world the the original blocky 3D FF7 world from the PS1, but when you go into battle, it puts you in the remake battle system. A very dumbed down remake battle system. Like it's still like a phone game with like four right. commands, like burst, defend, <laughs> attack. <laughs> Is it really that that? Yeah, you down? didn't see the yeah you didn't see the user interface. I saw a little bit of it, but I couldn't I couldn't yeah, tell exactly it's, it's what very... was going on. It's very typical. Let's just put oh. it that way. But uh, what do you think yeah. about that? Um, I mean, it matters how much it costs. If it's free, it's not and free, it's dude. filled and it's filled with monetization grabs. It's not. I probably free. won't touch it with a ten foot pole. But if it's you know eight, ten bucks, maybe fifteen bucks, like their remakes of uh, um, tactics and uh, like three and and. and 
four and stuff, then I'll probably grab it and check it out just because I'm all for a solid single player experience, especially with something that's new, you mm-hmm. know, because it is Final Fantasy seven and it's just attached to so much garbage, like I said earlier, but at least it's something unique. At least mm-hmm. it's like them trying to like a bridge so many fucking side stories that have plagued the FF seven timeline over the like past decade and a half. So I mean, good on them. I mean, that's, I mean, I'm not going to hate on them for it. <laughs> yeah. Well, my, especially not the $15 range. <laughs> yeah. My prediction is it's going to be full priced. I think that it's going to be a to $60 game on the phone. Yes, I do. I have no. a feeling that they are going to rock some boats. The water is going to shift a bit in the ocean and they are going to come out and say, this is the complete FF seven. This isn't just one part of it. This is the complete story with a totally brand new battle system and try and pump, pump up the fan base and be like $50, bro. You in? No, no DLC. You don't have to fucking buy energy to get past certain points. It's just, here's the game. $50. I have a feeling it's going to be like that. As uh, Martin Lawrence would say in blue streak. It's like that. It's like that broadcaster Nichols. Well, it's going to be the fist, the the fastest 50% off game on the Android store ever. I'll tell you that. Yeah. I do believe that, uh, the battle royale is going to be free, and I think it's going to have very battle very, royale has to be free. That's yeah. the curse of battle royale. It's, it's going like, to have very bad yeah. uh, microtransactions. I think. I think this is going to be where Square goes dark side with this game specifically. I have a feeling we're going to see buy to win from Square Enix in this game. That's my prediction. Maybe, yeah. I mean, I just the, the thing about buy to win is it has to be somewhat successful. <laughs> it's square dude they get a print <laughs> you know. dude ff7 prints money you know this you know this yeah true but it's like i'm not sure about that statement anymore you know like i mean ff7 remake sold gangbusters dude how what why are you questioning its popularity what do you No, do you i'm talking about on? the phone versions i mean look at just i mean look at uh diablo for instance, <laughs> well, I, I have I mean, a feeling when Diablo people see, Immortal is going to be a fucking really huge success. I hope I'm wrong, but I have a feeling it's going to be and it's going to settle. Well, I'm not going to lie. It looks it looks really good. <laughs> I just don't like phone games. Mm-hmm. When I saw it, I was actually impressed what they were doing on a phone. But yep. it's always it's not it's not the game itself that I'm saying sucks when in and in this particular case, Diablo or Final Fantasy Seven's Battle Royale. It's or any mobile game for that matter. It's the absolute necessity to just burden it with monetization. It just, you ha- they have to do it. it. It just has to be done. Like you can't, there's no other feasible version of a mobile game developers and uh, production houses can come up with anymore. They're just like, it's going to fit with one of these three mobile types of gameplay and it's going to have chests and gems and passes and skins. And, uh, I mean, 
I'm just calling back to one particular phone game I've played, but like keys to get into particular types of event dungeons, you know, that let you get way more loot than anybody else does, you know, things like that. It, it's all it's it occurs in the, every single phone game. Think about it. Every single phone game you've played is the same game. Well, the majority of them are <laughs> straight by to win, but they're also the same game. Like when you There's think about different... like Clash of Clans oh. and all those other games that like come after, it's just Clash of Clans. When you play that Star Wars game, and I played Marvel Contest of Champ or Contest of Champions is a different format, but there's another Marvel game that's just like the Star Wars game that you play. Strike and Force, it's like, yeah, Strike Force. It's just the same fucking game, just with a different skin over it. It's yeah, like there... I feel like that's all phone games. There are like five phone game archetypes, and each archetype has like a hundred versions of it. You're right mm-hmm. about that. But I, I'm not one to defend EA, but I'll just say right now, Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes has the <laughs> best version of that archetype. And in terms Listen of gameplay mechanics, you're not hearing it. That's the sound of a bodden man right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that game. And it's the only phone game I play. Uh, but I feel ashamed when I play it. So I take a shower every day. <laughs> At least day. you feel ashamed. <laughs> Broadcaster Nichols, on that note, are you ready to get to our preview of Mortal Kombat? I'm actually really stoked. <laughs> What's that? You want more crack seller? <laughs> this is good. Join your lords on Twitter at the crack seller and Facebook.com slash the crack Hey, you over there. Are you a straight-up Chad or a strong woman? Well, you can find us on Apple Podcasts and your favorite podcasting app. Or, if you're a straight-up beta cuck, find us on YouTube with the rest of the Cloud Chasers. And we're back with our preview of Mortal Kombat, the movie. 2021, a remake of the 1990s classic, or is it? Broadcaster Nichols, I must begin this preview with one very serious question. Did Johnny Cage get me too'd out of this fucking movie? It's a great question. Didn't even pass my mind. There ain't no Johnny Cage in this trailer. He is not in... I'm going to make Johnny- a prediction right off the bat. I don't think Johnny Cage is in this fucking movie at all, period. And Why I'm not happy. Be problematic, though. Well, Johnny Cage, he, I mean, he's big Hollywood sunglasses. He's he's Harvey Weinstein, dude. That's what Johnny Cage is. I mean, he is big Hollywood sunglasses, but you need to bite your tongue real quick. <laughs> <laughs> dude, he... Hard. He, he's as problematic as Duke Nukem, man. Think about it. I mean... Do you remember the, his character from the original World Combat movie? Like, he's the definition of, a tox, of toxic masculinity. I feel like Jax is the fucking well. pinnacle toxic masculinity well, <laughs> the guy fucking tried firing a bullet at a fucking ice ninja and got his arms torn off <laughs> yeah yeah i mean jacks oh, yeah, they get passes you know uh 
I do really love the fact that they opened up the trailer with Sub-Zero taking Jax's arms. That no, is no. a great way to start a trailer for Mortal Kombat. I like how movie. the trailer just the, was just themed with my main boy fucking just wrecking everybody, really. <laughs> Let's be real here. No one was really taking on Sub-Zero in this trailer. No, Sub-Zero seems to be... I don't know. I don't want to say he's like this main side character, but I, it seems like he's featured very heavily in this trailer. I'm going to call it right now. It's a story of Scorpion versus Sub-Zero of Sub-Zero killing Scorpion's family and Scorpion becoming the Spectre and be, like getting revenge and all, all, all that crap. But, and then the movie that we're seeing in the trailer is baked around that. Like mm-hmm. these other like Jax and Sonya and Liu Kang and Kung Lao in the tournament and Raiden and this new guy. Like, I think all that is just going to be really circulating around the core story, which is Scorpion versus Sub-Zero. Yeah, and it seems like we're finally going to get a legit Sub-Zero Scorpion backstory in a movie. Yeah, yeah I'm, it's I'm, a long yeah, time for coming. Sure. For sure. Because wasn't this supposed to happen like years ago? there was like this sub-zero versus scorpion short yeah yeah and it like it was strongly rumored that it would result in a movie and i think this is actually the result of that i think i think that they're connected the same actor right that played scorpion i'm not sure about that short maybe not I'm not sure about that, but I think I think that this is actually the result of that. It just took longer to happen, Uh, but I'm not 100 percent sure about that. That could be a a crackpot theory, because I remember that that short was being used in dubstep music videos. So this must have been around like 2012, 2013, right? (laughs) This was a long time ago. (laughs) I want to say it came out 2016 ish, 2015 ish, like in that neighborhood, but I'm not sure. Uh, one thing I am sure about, though, is that I really Dub, like dead. Well, go on. That was dead before. <laughs> that was like DOA, in my opinion. But the casting in this movie, per the trailer, is really good. I fucking loved Kano. <laughs> Kano at the end of the trailer. That's just I win. <laughs> <laughs> that was just gold. Uh, uh, the brief spot of Molina licking her fucking uh, sigh, the blood off the sigh. That her, she looks fucking amazing as Molina, and of course, Jax. They got a great Jax. I, I shouldn't be surprised because it seems like Jax is always good. Like he's like Barrett. It's just like. Those two are like the same character, basically. They're super consistent. They're always good. You can dub it. You can sub it. It's good. And in this, again, Jax is, I think, really good. I loved, like, I can tell he's good just because in this trailer, he utters the most simple line that most people, you'd hear them say it, and you'd be like, eh, okay, whatever. He's like, it's not a birthmark, Cole. Like, the way he says that in the trailer is just fucking gold, dude. And it's such a yeah. basic line. Because he has fucking soul. 
some of these actors in b-grade movies i'm not saying moral combat's going to be a b-grade movie but it's 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 swinging from that ground right well the original was a b-grade movie and yeah i think this is a spiritual remake of the original just based off of some of the shots and how the fights were set up it felt very much like trying to pay homage to the original 90s mk not mk2 by the way when i when i say that i'm talking about the original mortal Kombat movie not mk2 armageddon or apocalypse or whatever that one was i thought mk armageddon i think is what it was wasn't that bad really dude especially one of our great disagreements in life the guy that played con was it was good in a cheesy way man i mean (laughs) it's like oh dude i'm not trying to say this is caviar or something but (laughs) (laughs) but the guy that played uh con i always back in my childhood i always called him a poor man's kevin sorbo and kevin sorbo (laughs) is kind of a poor man's actor anyways yeah (laughs) yeah the guy who plays shao con i liked him too he he was in like the X Files a lot. He was, he was a, like a yeah. '90s character actor. He was in a whole bunch of stuff I watched. What was that guy's name? I, feel I forget bad his, name, his name. But yeah, I, I liked him. But man, the <laughs> I don't want to go too deep into MK2, but the fucking CG was atrocious. Do you remember how <laughs> yeah, bad dude. the CG was? <laughs> in both the movies, it was really bad. The first one at least had heart. The second one well, the was like one, the oh. thing is about the two was is the first one it was cutting edge for the budget they had. Yes. When number two rolled around, they were still using the same grade as number one, and times had changed. <laughs> 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 That's the thing, and there it didn't age well. <laughs> no, it didn't. But I'll tell you what hasn't changed, and that is the hard R rating that Mortal Kombat gets and deserves. I was a little afraid when I first heard about this movie that they were going to try and do a PG-13 version. I was pleasantly surprised by the trailer. There is some, there are like six fatalities in the trailer, I think, and there's some pretty gory ones too. So hard R is achieved and uh, very Man, happy about that. A tragedy to have anything other than a hard R. From I wouldn't be surprised in this climate. Mortal Kombat, you know? It's yeah. like, wh- why would you even attempt to do a modern day Mortal Kombat unless you wanted to a do fatalities and more character depth, which all the characters have gruesome backgrounds. So you're not avoiding anything. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And uh, speaking of fatalities, I was very happy to see Liu Kang's greatest fatality in the trailer, the fire dragon that eats the person. Yeah. You know, wasn't that actually originally a summon? No, it was a fatality. I it, I think it came in MK3. I think that's the one that introduced it. It might have been MK2, but I'm pretty sure it was MK3. Either way... I thought that was like a bestiality or something like that. <laughs> well, you know, there's been so many Mortal Kombats. There's probably been five different versions of it by now. But either way, I'm really glad that they're playing up Liu Kang's fire abilities rather than the boring-ass Bruce Lee shit that you'd expect. Well, don't hold your breath. (laughs) I mean, it's Well, from the trailer, I mean, the trailer, every time you saw Liu Kang, he was doing fire magic. Every time you saw him. And the one time he wasn't doing fire magic, he was in a hero shot walking in in front of the sun. (laughs) 
in the director's defense, it's kind of hard to imitate Bruce Lee's family now, or Bruce Lee, because his family is like militant nowadays. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. There's that. <laughs> there is that. There is that. And uh, just in general, though, the fights looked really good in this trailer. What did you think about the fights in general? Because every fight I saw, I was on board with. I didn't see one cheesy fight in the trailer. And the one with Sub-Zero and Scorpion, especially at the end, was sick. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard. What I saw was dope. But it was kind of... It was almost like the X-plays of the new games. A lot of it was slow-mo and cut up and frozen in a trailer. So it's hard really? to tell the whole fight scenes are going to be, like, good. Like, it's it's really hard to tell if the fight choreography is going to be super fluid. I mean, from what I see, it's going to be great, but... You never know. There might be some characters like the guy that plays Jax, for instance, or maybe the dude that plays Raiden or Kano, for instance. Like those oh. guys just might end up being terrible fighters because they're just not fighters yeah. in real life, and their fight scenes just True. might end up being terrible. True. But no doubt, Scorpion and Sub Zeros, there's some real ninjas underneath those motherfuckers. <laughs> well, 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 fuck that. Let's let's get to the the real important part of this preview, and boy. Boy, can I not believe that Cabal gets in a fucking Mortal Kombat movie before Gambit gets in an X-Men movie. Yeah, what here the we fuck have it. That? What is that? Here we have it. My favorite character of Mortal Kombat, my main character of Mortal Kombat, Cabal, who is not a popular character. Most people don't like him. Most people don't even remember him. He's a C-level character in most people's eyes. He's special to me. But most people don't give a fuck about Cabal. My shock and awe when I notice that Liu Kang is fighting Cabal in this trailer cannot be measured in words. I could not fucking believe it. I'm like, are you kidding me? I get to see Cabal, but they've made eight fucking X-Men movie, and they haven't brought they've X- done Gambit. They brought Gambit in as a fucking bar crawler who gives some intel for three minutes in a fucking Wolverine spinoff movie. That doesn't count, Broadcaster Nichols. Cabal is fighting Lou motherfucking Kang in this trailer. That's a legit role. (laughs) That's a legit role. I can't believe even it, dude. if Kapal gets sacked in less than a minute, it's a legit roll. Oh no, dude! I my uh, crackpot prediction of this preview is going to be that Liu Kang and Cabal's fight is going to be the best of the entire movie. I have a feeling. I doubt that. We'll see. They're we'll not see. Gonna waste, they're not going to waste type of money and and, and choreograph skill. On fucking Cabal and Liu Kang. <laughs> well, I don't think that the like with the structure of Mortal Kombat, you would think it would be like the second to last boss is Goro and the final boss is Shang Tsung. I don't think this movie is gonna follow that format. Well, I don't Khan's actually be in it, right. I don't think Shao Kahn's in the movie. I think they're gonna set up a sequel with Shao Kahn in it. I don't think Shao Kahn will be in this movie. Goro's gonna be in it though, right? Goro is in it. He's in the yeah, trailer. Yeah. And my prediction with Goro is that you're not even going to see a real fight with him. I think that he's just like, there's going to be this part where they invade Earth and Goro just is attacking Earth randomly. I don't think that he's going to have an actual Mortal Kombat versus match in this movie. That'd be interesting. How long is this movie supposed to be? I have no idea. Hmm. I would expect yeah, I mean, it to be I mean, 140-ish. 
I mean, with the hype behind this movie and the amount of time it's taken to get it to actually happen, I imagine they have to be setting something up. So, oh yeah, but it'd be cool, you know. With the old games, a lot of these bot like the bosses were just sitting in the background for a long time. You know, that'd be cool <laughs> if they did some type of they paid some type of respect to that. And some of these fights, Goro's just sitting in a chair, or fucking <laughs> Shang Tsung sitting in a because Shang Tsung's in it too, so he's yeah. probably going to be the main baddie, to be honest. And again, Shang Tsung is the. MK3 version of Shang Tsung. And I think this is a big, big, big misstep. And it's my biggest criticism of the trailer and the movie in general, as I know it so far. Mortal Kombat 1 had Shang Tsung as like a 150 year old ancient sorcerer that looked like a skeletor almost. Like he was super frail. He looked like a. Uh, the fucking, uh, the ice zombies from Game of Thrones, basically. He looked like one of those. He was this old, frail, 200-year-old magician who sat on a throne and watched as these young fighters fought in front of him. And I think it's a big, big, big mistake not to bring that version of Shang Tsung into this movie. Oh, well, I mean, is there any other version? Yeah, the MK3 version they're bringing, the, which is fine. I like that version, too, but it's like, man, we've seen that version so many times. Let's see the OG version. Let's keep this shit OG. Well, I hope they actually do it at some point. It'd be sad if they don't actually. Because the, the thing is with this movie is that they're trying to get a lot of new people into it as well, so... I imagine they don't want to just make some old tropey Asian guy with a long beard and have a bunch of hipsters call him racist, you know, <laughs> but cause I, so th- I know why they're avoiding it. Oh, don't get God. me wrong. Do you but really think that's this, it? Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Well, that's heartbreaking, and, man. Well, don't get me wrong. The original Shang Tsung is he's like uh what's his name? Like Lopan, you know, David Lopan from big trouble in little China. Very stereotypical, you know, like, I don't know if it would go well with the new hip modern audience. You know, God, so I would funny. laugh. Like, at I it, never but... thought of that until you just said it. You're right, of course, that he is like that stereotype. But I never thought of him like that until you just brought it up. So I've been playing and watching Mortal Kombat for 30 years. And in those 30 years. Wow, I've never had that thought once. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, I mean, that was originally because <laughs> I think I play, I definitely played Mortal Kombat before I saw Big Trouble in Little China. But I remember seeing Big Trouble in Little China and thinking, oh, dude, that looks just like Shang Tsung. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <sighs> well, you know, another criticism I have from the trailer is Raiden. Uh, first of all, I get it. I get it. You're, you're bringing in a culturally appropriate Raiden because you're afraid if you bring David Carradine in, you're gonna, (laughs) you're gonna get fucking bitch slapped by Twitter. I get it. Rest in peace, David Carradine. (laughs) Rest in power. I hope, I hope that noose was loosened by God for you. Uh, (laughs) It was a belt. (laughs) Let's get the record straight. I love my man, but let's be real here. <laughs> I do not like the Raiden I saw in that trailer. He was boring. He was 
didn't do anything. He just shows up and his eyes glow for a second. Like they didn't have the balls to show one of his fights or any like real meaningful spot with him. And his voice, I don't, I don't know. It, I just, it, I wasn't buying it. I wasn't buying any of Raiden. I like the casting in this movie for the most part, but I think Raiden and Shang Tsung were big missteps. On the other hand, yeah. I think the casting of Scorpion, who is uh, Tom Cruise's BFF from The Last Samurai, I love that casting. That's a great casting for Scorpion when he is when they're showing his like human past when he was you know not a supernatural uh, killer. I loved that scene. That was my favorite fight scene. I think from the entire trailer was when he was taking out those ninjas as a human. Sure, for sure. I mean, I think anytime to be honest, when they're br- they're talking about bringing Shang Tsung back. And it's not Kerry Takagawa or Tagawa. I'm just like, cut, go back to the drawing board because you fucking failed. All right. <laughs> and speaking of fails, I love that Scorpion versus Sub Zero fight at the end, but they have to redo Scorpion's Get Over Here. That was so weak. That was the weakest get over here I've ever heard in my life. I wanted to punch the screen. I was just like, how are you going to do Scorpion like that? Yeah, dude. Also, this just popped in my head because my honestly, my favorite character in MK is Kung Lao. It's always been. Mm. I've always slayed with him. He was I've OP in MK2, yeah. man. Kung Lao sure. was a badass in MK2. Just, I love that there's st- the trailer pretty much just started with the idea that he was the original winner of the MK tournament for the Earth Realm. Mm-hmm. That's something they never really, you never really hear about or they ever really acknowledge in movies or in yep. fandom. I mean, in the games they do, but it's so far gone. Yeah, it goes to show you sort of the reverence. Whoever is, I don't even really know who's making this Mortal Kombat remake. I haven't looked into it too deeply, but clearly from the trailer, whoever is doing it has a reverence for the original lore of Mortal Kombat. Like things like what you just brought up with Kung Lao are a perfect example of that. You know why that's significant, but most people don't. But the creator does, and that gives you hope for the rest of the movie. I'll I'll say this though about Shang Tsung one more time. The guy that they got to play Shang Tsung looks like Kerry Tagawa's representation in Mortal Kombat like eight or no 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 it's way further than that it's I think probably. Like probably ten or eleven, I think the one where he's wearing like the uh, just like the very thin gold and black vest robe, and he has his chest showing, and he has a pretty like clean cut face with like sh- kind of medium length slick back hair. He's younger in that, like he's obtained a whole bunch of souls, so he's mm-hmm. like currently young. Like that's what the actor they got in this new movie looks like. So it's kind of funny. In one way, he does kind of look like Terry Tagawa, but a fake version, digital version of Terry Tagawa in a video game. Yeah. I don't know. As soon as I saw him, he just immediately struck as the MK3 version of Shang Tsung. As soon as I saw him, that's ex- like immediately popped in my head. It's like, oh, this is the MK3 version. Yeah. And then, well, I think that's the original young Shang Tsung, right? Yeah, it yeah. is. And then yeah. the other thing that makes you wonder about the MK3 influence on this movie is Cabal being in it. 
Most people don't know who Cabal is. If you said, who, who is, can you describe Cabal from Mortal Kombat? Almost every single person would be like, uh, um, no. <laughs> He's not a big character. And for them to include him over the 50 characters they left out of this movie is crazy to me. And it, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if we had a striker cameo somewhere in this movie because it just feels like it's sort of supposed to be in that MK3 part of the mythos of Mortal Kombat. Yeah. It's funny. Have they actually, I know, I know Cabal's confirmed in this movie. I'm, I think, right. Is he actually confirmed in this movie? But in the trailer that Cabal, because in the because the tra- in the, tra- the part you're talking about where he comes down with the fire dragon and that dude that's pretty far away like oh no you he- can see his crowbars man it's not far see away. I saw it's that Cabal. weapon I saw the one oh, weapon oh and I I know I originally- what you're about to say and I'm gonna let you say it give me your your conspiracy it's- theory on this I thought it was Quan Chi because I thought like oh that's yeah, not what I was expecting holy shit because that that <laughs> weapon because the one the one weapon that i saw that was kind of blurry i was just like man that looks like the weapon they gave quan chi in four i think mm. <laughs> so I, so i was like is that quan chi or is that cabal because i might the, the thought went through my head too i was like man is that cabal's hook but then i don't see anything about cabal being in this movie okay here's the thing it's definitely cabal's weapons those are Cabal's weapons. They are not Quan Chi's weapons. I honestly thought you were about to throw down a Movado conspiracy theory on my ass. I was like, oh shit, is he going to tell me a what fucking Movado? Oh, I'm going to die. I'm going to die on the inside. I'm going to be like, the Buffaloes didn't go to the Super Bowl. <laughs> Scott Norwood. <laughs> and fucking White Cabal right. was Movado, bitch. That's what you get. <laughs> oh shit. Uh... God, I hope that isn't the case. I'm pretty sure it's Cabal, but I can't say for sure it's not Movado. <laughs> but it, dude, can you imagine all the characters they left out and they include Movado of all characters? That would be that, that would even crazier than including Cabal in the first place. That would be too much explaining because then yeah. they would have to explain Cabal to explain Mavado. Right, exactly. Like, so <laughs> so yeah. we killed him off. He's done. <laughs> Don't worry about him. Uh, what, speak- if was right, what if the Liu Kang dragon summon is right in the beginning and that is Cabal <laughs> and he's just getting killed and then Mavado picks up his girl. You bastard. How dare you put that juju out there? How dare you? Or what if it's an origin story for the Burns? Oh, Think about it. Now I'm doing big Hollywood sunglass oh, fucking storyliners that you should come hire me for. I'm telling, I'm telling you, Hollywood, I'm ready for this stuff. <laughs> Broadcaster Nichols, I think you may have just called that shit. We'll see, though, when we do our official review of Mortal Kombat, when it airs on yeah. HBO Max or whatever streaming service. Because For the kiddies out there that don't know anything, <laughs> his favorite character is some puss boots guy that fucking got burnt, and then they gave him magical boots so he could run away from all of his problems. <laughs> <laughs> you know who else got burnt? Freddy motherfucking Kruger, bitch. And on that yeah. note, broadcaster you- Nichols... <laughs> At least he haunted people's <laughs> dreams, you know? He didn't run away. <laughs> Wait, dude. <laughs> Could you imagine 
a Freddy Krueger also was in a Mortal Kombat. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know. Like, I'm thinking of a movie, though. Can you imagine a movie crossover with Mortal Kombat Nightmare on Elm Street where fucking Cabal and Freddy Krueger fought each other? That's oh, the crossover the world needs. That Yeah, that's, that's as meta as it gets. And uh, on that note, Broadcaster Nichols, Mortal Kombat looks good, but how good does it look? Will you give it a thumbs up, a thumbs down, or the dreaded side thumb? I'm giving it a a big thumb. Big, a big thumb up. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, Have you ever seen Thumb Wars, Broadcaster Nichols? Oh, yeah. Man, do they still do that? (laughs) No. (laughs) I wish they did. (laughs) I think, dude, honestly, I think if Thumb Wars was released today, it would get me tooed. Like, think about how <laughs> rapey those okay, thumbs yeah. looked. Those thumbs were so rapey looking, dude. <laughs> It'd get me too'd so fast. It'd get me too'd faster than Johnny Cage was me too'd out of the Mortal Kombat reboot. <laughs> but yeah, I give it a big dude, thumbs yeah. up. This looks those good. were pretty creepy faces. <laughs> and I they mean, were. it was always like three male thumbs around one female thumb. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So, ratio is pretty bad. <laughs> I mean, a thumb war. I mean, they call that a thumb pile. So. <laughs> ah, Broadcaster Nichols, are you ready to get to our review of S.A. Corey's The Expanse Season 5? Final season. Penultimate season. <laughs> and we're back with our review of S.A. Corey's The Expanse, Season 5, and the creators of this season describe it as the following. In different parts of the solar system, the crew of the Rocinante and their allies confront the sins of their past, while Marco Inaros unleashes an attack that will alter the future of Earth, Mars, and the Belt, and the worlds beyond the ring. Broadcaster Nichols, that hypnosis is bullshit. The events of season five will not alter anything in the worlds beyond the ring. The worlds beyond the ring are like, uh, why didn't she do a season about us instead of this bullshit? That's what they're saying right now, because that was some, that was some boring shit. Broadcaster Nichols. There's not one second of a outer ring planet. No, none, not, not, not any. One. And, uh, I don't even know where to start with this one. Uh, I guess budget. Can can you believe the budget downgrade from season four? For sure, you know it. It really hits you at the till when you see the very end Easter egg. I don't know what you call it, Easter egg. Like it's not even an Easter egg. It's just like a tease of what the season should have been about. Mm-hmm. It's floating in the sky. Yep. You're just like, oh, cool, thanks. And it's like the CG is so terrible. You're just like, okay. It's kind of like this real, you, you realize something, you're like, there was no money in this season. No. That's why it was all so close to home. And that's why they killed people off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, everything is just like, <laughs> budget, budget, budget. It screams it in hindsight. Yeah, yeah. there there were a few high-profile deaths in this season. Uh, first off, it's Freddy. Freddy, uh, Freddy from The Walking Dead. That's how I remember him. And, uh, he got murked by the Belters and, uh, very uneventful death. Shockingly uneventful. Yeah. 
it just kind of throwaway character. Yeah, I I was a little sad for him. Like, man, your character, that death, like that was his death in The Walking Dead was ten times more impactful than his death in The Expanse. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, yeah, I actually saw it coming though. In the scene, mm. as far as like the body movement in the scene goes, it was actually really well done because I totally saw the betrayal happen as it was going down. I saw her like yeah. look really weird at everybody. I was like, "What the hell is this bitch doing?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then she like walked out and then stayed in the door frame for a second. I was like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> yeah, assassin. <laughs> yeah, I really hated that character too. That chick. As soon as she entered the screen, I'm like, "Oh god." please go away and uh yeah well there was one thing about this season that i noticed immediately like i noticed with almost everything that's mm-hmm. happening right now more yep. women the better yep. uh it doesn't matter if they're a throwaway or not nonsensical characters that no one gives a shit about like the one that killed one of the more important characters that people care about uh <laughs> you know is decisions like that that you know make you realize that the money's not there and they're trying to get rid of this show. Yeah. Well, th- I, I think that they started filming season five with knowledge that season six would be the last season. And I think they made a conscious effort to lowball season five and save a huge budget for season six. That'd and be cool. I feel like the end bonus scene that you were talking about just a few minutes ago, I think that's proof that, that is the case because think about the premise they're setting up like the original builders of the ring system are going to show up and go to war with the humans for using their shit. That's the impression I get. And if you think about the premise of that, the budget's got to be high, right? You can't lowball the budget for something like that. It matters. I mean, if they're using the CGI that they used two times in season five, uh, then they'll probably get away with it pretty easily. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. This was the lowest budget season of the entire run of the show. In my opinion, I think it's lower budget than season two, which I think was the previous record holder for lowest budget season, which was on the sci-fi channel. So apparently Jeff Bezos is not shape. He's not sharing his bison bucks with the the (laughs) guys because Wow, was this a low budget season? They got the burn notice of season oh. five. <laughs> oh, for sure. Uh, but in general, the first three episodes of this season are one of the hardest drags I've seen in a sci-fi show in so long. Like it was so hard. It was so hard to get through the first three episodes. Nothing happens. It's just like a bunch of exposition, a bunch of bullshit, a bunch of characters you don't like, no CG, no special effects, none of the, uh, like the space is hard shit that made the first four seasons so compelling. Like the way they portrayed space is just like, no, this isn't Star Trek the next generation. This isn't (laughs) a luxury yacht in space. This is, space is fucking hard. None of that was present in the first three episodes. It was just like, I couldn't believe what I was watching a little bit. What was your favorite part of the season? <laughs> the, it was, it, ironically, it was the Earth part. 
<laughs> it was with the storyline with Amos. Yeah, dude. It Earth. was the best part. It was, dude, I remember when they would cut away from that storyline. I'd be like, man, the rest of the show sucks. Yep. Right now. Yep. What the fuck's going on right now? For sure. It, it, space sucked in season five. It was, it was kind of ironic, though. <laughs> the good storyline was on Earth. <laughs> yeah. And another thing that doesn't make the space parts good or better is the tag along reporter girl who goes with the Rocinante who was like trying to like fuck James Holden the entire first three yeah. episodes and like tags along with him on the run. Yeah. She other sucks. The, other than the first two episodes where she was kidnapped or whatever and got rescued. What's the point of her? None. Like literally none. She's an NPC. So weird that they like actually paid that girl to like have like main lines. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she served no, I mean, no slight against her. There's like no purpose in the storyline. Like it's just a good example of more women the better. Apparently, well, like, that's a I, theme right now. <laughs> it's either that or it's an example of Harvey <laughs> Weinstein. <laughs> we'll let you. We'll let the audience decide on that one. <laughs> Thanks, Harvey. <laughs> but really overall, bringing down cinema right now. <laughs> overall i think this is the worst season of the expanse what do you think oh yeah for sure no doubt what was your worst season before this one if you had that to answer well definitely wasn't season four season Season four four was was dope as fuck yeah i think i can't remember to be exact because it's been a while since i've seen season one through three but I know season one was out of the park. It was awesome. And I think season two was great, too. Maybe season three was kind of lackluster. I can't remember, to be honest. What was season three about? Season three was about them discovering the rings. And it was... Honestly, season three is one of my favorite seasons. Oh, season three was the one where the jellyfish blooms at the end. Yeah, and it's the one with Miller. Where Miller is like a main character in the head of Holden. Remember? Yeah. That so season great. two probably was the weakest before. Yep. yep. Uh, that same here. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to say season two was my previous weakest season. I think season five makes season two look great in comparison. Because <laughs> season two is what? That's the one where what's her Naomi Hyde hid the protomolecule on the missile and shit like that. Yeah. It's, it's the one where, uh, uh, they fly the proto molecule into Jupiter, or was it Jupiter? No, not Jupiter. Venus. I forget what planet it is, but the season it's like split up. Like there's this part where the proto molecule takes over the space station thing, and then they fly the space station into a planet. I think it was Venus, and it it was great. But then, like, there, that was only half the season, and the other half was, like, a bunch of political mumbo-jumbo garbage with Avrasarala. Uh, yeah. They, and it was really unwatchable, and that was the reason why I held season two in a low regard, because half of it was great, but the other half was horrible, in my opinion. It's just the way it is. But the big event... So each season of The Expanse has like a big event, right? 
Like in the first one, it's like this Noyor crime drama with fucking uh, Miller investigating the death of Julie Mao and it leading to the proto molecule with like this crazy final yeah. scene of like the tentacles coming down and shit. And it was super dope. Oh, it was so good. I love season one. Yeah. It's uh, some of the best sci fi season one. That's yeah. like good sci fi right there. Yeah. You can't. Season two's big event is what I just talked about, the space station with the protomolecule taking over, flying into the planet and, like, creating, like, this protomolecule planet, which, by the way, they haven't addressed. So I think that season five, or not season five, season six might have something to do with the end of season two with that whole thing there. I think that we might revisit that. Season three, the big event, is discovering the Stargates in space with Holden and... uh Miller in his head. Season four, the big event is them activating the alien technology on that planet and like activating like the black hole wormhole shit in the like activating the system. Yeah. Yeah. What's the big event of season five, Broadcaster Nichols? Uh, Naomi surviving and Alex dying. I'm going to tell you right now, that's not what the big event was supposed to be. I I know why you say that, because they're more impactful than the actual what the big event was supposed to be. The big event was Marco sending the meteor shower onto the planet Earth and, you know, devastating Earth or whatever. Blah, blah, yeah, blah. I mean, that was. Uh, yeah, I, I get that. But that it was wasn't... phoned in as fuck. Yeah, it, it was, was horrible. <laughs> and I think phoned in is generous. What What a shitty big event. Like all of the precedent you set with the first four seasons and you you follow it up with this lame ass well, shit what about Adam uh, or madam Sorala, Sorala's husband dying <laughs> off camera off and they camera. dedicate so much fucking camera time to her uh you know like Talking sobbing over his death and t- like people saying sorry for your loss and all this and they couldn't have even the slightest scene of him dying or him before he died just to kind of get his character more relevant with viewers you know they're like hey remember this guy <laughs> you know like none of that they're just like a name people are so- sad we'll fling his thing up there in the the digital tombstone fucking crypt thing that's kind of creepy i won't lie <laughs> yeah. and their last interaction before he died was so cringy too. I'll never forget that. Like he like, they were getting a divorce. Yeah. He like walked out on her. Like he (laughs) was the girl in the relationship. It was so bizarre. It was like watching a gay guy pretend to be in a relationship with a straight woman. It was very weird. Like it had no chemistry. They had no believability to the fight. Like it was just really bad. And then we're supposed to believe that she cares so much about him. Like, like the whole exposition element of season five with Avrasarala and her dead husband is. It doesn't work. Falls flat. Falls flat. Throw, you know what? As a great comic would say, why don't you just throw that idea in the pit? Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> just toss that one in the pit. <laughs> But, you know, that wasn't even the worst part of the season. The worst part was the melodrama with Naomi, Marco, and Philip. It was so bad, dude. Like, how, how many times did you cringe watching the Naomi, Marco, Philip arc in this season? 
Uh, I mean, some of it was good. I'm not going to lie. Like, which part? Uh, like, uh, when she was aboard and she went to go escape. And, well, you, you like, I thought she was committing suicide. Like, they didn't do anything to imply that she was actually going to try to escape at that given point in time. So I actually thought she was going to kill herself. It was kind of like, a, I was like, damn, they're going to kill her off at this moment. At this point, I still thought it was going to be the final well, season, right? So I was like, oh, this is a final season move, you know? But then he, she kills her one of her childhood best friends and does a pretty epic fucking recovery into a rigged ship, which I thought was pretty cool. The radiation walks or whatever that was exact. I'm guessing is no atmosphere walks, mm. whatever it is. But she looked like she was close to radioactive material. I'm not quite sure exactly what that thing yeah. was. I don't walking. include that in the melodrama. I'm talking about everything that happens before that. Yeah, it's pretty bad when, like, her son and Marco, like, trying to be a good dad and, like, frame it like she's, a, like, a bitch. Like, it's just such a weird... It was uncomfortable to watch. It's uncomfortable to watch just because it's, like, as a viewer, you know, full. you're fully aware of how bad and good both characters are. And they're, like, still trying to convince you that, like... I just I hate moves like that in a storyline where like they're trying to compel the viewer by like who's this character going to side with you know like I mean the the viewer already knows full where full well which character's good and what plot armor is you know so it's like why are you trying to like beat around the bush with like these type of antics it's weird I just don't like it it never it's never been written well to me mm-hmm yeah. I really disliked this season. I liked I disliked every part of it. So we we talked about so basically the A plot is Naomi, Marco and Philip. That is the A plot. The B plot is Amos on Earth. The C plot we haven't talked much about. And that's Alex with uh the other Mars chick. What's her name? I forget what her name is, but like the the commando chick, the Martian commando chick, and they get on that spaceship from Mars uh, and they go to Christy. No, not Christy. Is I it? forget her name, but I like her and I like Alex, but their arc in this is so bad and I don't understand why. They really did Alex raw, raw dude. Like... It was dumb. Just made him a shitty father with a shitty attempt to reconnect. <laughs> and then fucking one last hijeeper run to go save his friend and randomly dies. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> and <laughs> and you can you can be sure of the fact that that death was not in the books. Uh, yeah, I have no idea. No, I do. I've read all the books. Oh, wow. He does not die in the books. That is total fic. That well, it's all fiction. Uh, compared to the source material, it's fiction. That never happened, and they clearly did it for political reasons. And it's just a shame. Like it's a shame that you get to the end of your show, you have a couple seasons left. Just fucking stay the course. If you believe this guy's a bad guy for whatever reason, well, guess what? The show's going to end in a couple years. Just finish it out. 
finish it out the way it's supposed to be, but instead, nah, we're gonna get rid of him and we're gonna kill him off because he's, you know, he's problematic and it's just like... Why is he problematic? Isn't he, like, Middle Eastern? What's his ethnicity? He got me too'd, man. Uh... Yeah, he got me too'd. And it's one of those me too's very much similar to, uh... Who's a good comparison? Um, I don't really have a good comparison because it's one of the weakest Me Too's of all time. I guess Danny Masterson. It's comparable to the Danny Masterson <laughs> one. Like it's what happened? Some chick, like fucking twenty years later, came out of the woodwork and said, "Oh, he, you know, he he was rough sex with me or something." Like, "Oh, he was too rough." Like. It was rape and blah, 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 and I wasn't consensual because he did this and that. And it's like, it's one of those ones where it's like, okay, well, I'm pretty sure you just, you know, decided to have sex with him one night and then later realized he's a celebrity and that you could make money off of accusing him of something. That's what it felt huh. like to me. I haven't read about it recently. This all happened about a year and a half ago, but really, either way, I don't care if he's guilty or not. Let me just put it this way. I do not give a fuck if he legitimately deserves what he's getting or if he doesn't. You have a storyline. You casted a character as Alex Kamal. Finish the fucking storyline, okay? Just do the fucking books justice. Do not butcher it because you're offended by the fact that he might be a sexual deviant and did some bad things with some girl that are like border, you know, gray area, borderline shit that it's just like, come the fuck on. When does this end? When does this end? Anyone can say anything about anyone at any time. When does this end? That's so sad to hear that that's what that's actually the case. The sad thing is, is how dirty they did him in the episodes leading up to his death like his dialogue with bobby i just remembered her bobby, name yeah, yeah. his dialogue with bobby was so bad leading up to that like it was the worst acting in all of the season like it was cringy dialogue it wasn't because he's a bad actor or bobby is a bad actor it's because the the writing is my bad. favorite character yeah i like my favorite character i like the entire crew of the rasinante I liked Alex, I liked Amos, I liked James Holden, even though James Holden's probably my least favorite of the Rocinante yeah. crew, but I still liked him. They fucking did him so fucking dirty. And they didn't even give him any good moments leading up to this death. It was like watching someone walk the plank on a pirate ship. <laughs> it was so lame how he died, too. Like, what a ride. <laughs> that was it like like there was no you know there's no uh foreshadow to his death there is it wasn't even a good death there was no like moment where you're like oh shit alex might be dying here <laughs> you know like there's none of that it's just like what <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> Yeah. So lame. It's a chance we all take when we do hybrid burns. Uh -huh. <laughs> Fucking holding. Go fuck yourself, dude. Yep. Yeah, cringy. Cringy, cringy, cringy. I when I was watching that last two episodes, I really liked the second to last episode, but man, that that ending with him it, it wasn't good. And the final episode was actually really bad in my opinion. 
That being said, the whole season felt phoned in. And (laughs) the fact that season six is the last season makes me feel like, okay, they're saving their money. They're saving their effort. What do you think? If I had to place a bet right now, if you had to place a bet right now, would you say season six is going to be better or worse than season five? I think it's going to be the same or it's going to get renewed and it's going to get more budget and it's going to be great. But right now as it stands, I don't have any hope for it. It's not getting renewed on season five. It's over. Season six is the last season. It's very confirmed. It's not, there is not going to be a renewal. It's over. So knowing that it's the final season period, and knowing how good it's been in the past, and knowing how bad season five was, what do you like? Could season six actually be worse than season five? Because I feel like there's no possible way. Hopefully not. <laughs> like, how bad would it have to get for season six to be worse? I, I don't even. I can't fathom it. The fact that they have that there is no more extra money in season six. It's the same amount, if not less. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what fucking guarantees it. <laughs> yeah. So so what do you think about the final episode basically being like a Netflix after party episode? Like it it was very like, oh, well, this happened. Let's talk about it a little bit. Oh, this happened. Let's talk about it a little bit. Like it was so boring and so bad. It was one of the worst episodes in the entire season, in my opinion. It was super think? lame. You're talking about when they're all in the lunar base? The whole all thing. Like, yeah, it was so yeah, lame, dude. That, They're all in dress dresses and stuff and like living the life. I'm like, what is this? Like, this is like totally against their characters right now. And then uh, Madame Sarvala just like steps inside like they're the cool, important people to like come with me. Don't act alarmed. Mm-hmm. It's just like, oh, you mean the protocol the proto molecule got stolen on like a third episode that no one else talked about for the rest of the fucking series? Mm-hmm. It's just like a problem again. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> like while you're sipping back champagne it must have fucking slipped your mind or something well space is hard is a concept very unique to the expanse it's one of the reasons i like it so much and it was missing all the way till the very end until when naomi did her little suicide trick that we mentioned earlier and she does a space jump to the rigged ship that's set to be a trap to attract holden yeah i think this sets up the best part of this entire show and this is because we go back to all of space is hard yeah she is on this ship with no life support except for in one room it's rigged it's a bomb it's rigged to blow up she you you go on this little journey with her where she's like trying to figure out a way to stop it and it's it's like beautifully written and acted and directed the whole thing in that ship with her is great it's one of the best naomi arcs in the entire show this is the naomi arc of the entire show and there gets to this point where she realizes to fix this she has to go to a part of the ship that is not shielded by radiation or doesn't have life support or has no oxygen. I'm not exactly sure. Like you said, it's hard to know exactly what's going on, but every time she goes on a trip through this part of the ship, she carves a number into the wall. Like she's in prison and she's carving days. She's been into prison 
on the wall. It's like that sort of thing. And every time she goes in, she starts, she like starts to try and change this broadcast recording. That's trying to lure Holden to the ship, trying to find a way to make it, tell him to not come. And every time she comes back almost dead to the good part of the ship, this was great. This was other than Amos's earth arc. This was the season in my opinion. I was just really short lived. It was two episodes, right? I think it was just two episodes, but it was great. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. It's, I think you're kind of touching on an important thing that might make season five stick out as a bad season. Just the fact that it it's right after season four and season four was just so much more, you know, and then they just drew it all the way back in season five. But there was a, in season five, particularly, there was no examples other than Naomi's predicament of hallmark expanse tropes of space being hard. You know, like that's why expanse is good as all the sci fi around it is kind of like really built around actual science of how space would be colonized, you mm-hmm. know, like actually having to wear uh, decompression suits and have like fluids injected into you in high G burn situations where you're actually ha- like battling with gunships in space and um, you know, actually being able to survive and open open space, you know, like, like Naomi did in this season, like all that stuff is an example of like how crazy it is. Just the simple things, you know, like just trying to like jump from one ship that might be, you know, 20 feet away in open space you know it's still just death you know people think oh i can hold my breath (laughs) they don't they don't like the like like what they say with the sun being hot you know people don't realize space is cold Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know (laughs) so it's like it's just cool when you see things like that and when you saw it with naomi in this season you realized how much was lacking you know you're just like wow yeah season's just not really expanse is it it felt like a fan movie based on the expanse a little bit. It just, it didn't read it kind of almost, it kind of felt like a low budget mini series about like the origin of, or like uh not the origin, but like building on Naomi's character. Really? That's yeah. kind of pretty much what the season was. They tried to make Naomi the main character of the season, but yeah. what ended up happening is Amos was the main character of the season. <laughs> oh, yeah, accidentally. Apparently. Yeah. Well, hashtag accidentally Amos put that on Twitter. Man, when, when he was in the ferry shit, the shuttle and those bruisers came <laughs> yeah, in to like get good. insurance. He's like, he's like, nah. <laughs> he's like, where are you going? He's like, I'm going to go take a shower. He's like, they're going to kill you in there. He's like, I don't like waiting. <laughs> it's just like, it goes into a beat down montage, slow-mo. Yeah. I'm like, this guy's insane. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Am- Amos is the hidden gem of the season for sure. Uh, that being said, broadcaster Nichols, what is your favorite episode of season five of the expanse? Probably the episode where, uh, Naomi is going through that shit on the ship. That's probably my favorite episode. Was that episode eight, seven, and eight? Mm, She's on that ship. Are you talking about with Marco and? No, I'm talking about on that end, the rig ship, when she makes the jump. 
She's on that ship episode eight and nine. Yeah, eight and nine. Yeah. So I'd say probably like I just I'll pick eight, but really it's those two episodes are my favorite. <laughs> yeah, my favorite episode is episode nine, uh Winnie Pisake. And it is the Is that sec- the name of it? <laughs> it is. And it's the second half of the Naomi Savior of Humanity arc. And it's also the second half of the Amos Earth storyline arc, which I think are the two best parts of this entire season. So, yeah, episode nine stands out big time. Like, episode nine is when, like, those marauders, like, it's a very Walking Dead style episode with the Earth part where, like, this group of marauders shows up on, like, the compound where Amos and Mao are trying to fix the spaceship. Huh? Yeah, like they're ex security, <laughs> and they Jesus show up. Yeah, they show up to shake them down, and like the way that that whole episode is played out with Amos and them, like it's so good. The acting is superb. The direction is superb. The writing is superb. It's just perfect. Like that was one of those brief shining moments of this season to me that stood out. And I wish the whole season could have been like that, but most of it was not even close. That being said, Broadcaster Nichols, what is your least favorite episode of season five? Uh, I think it would be episode one or two. Which one is the episode where uh, she meets her friends in the bar? Is that episode two? Naomi, she meets her old belter friends. Oh, yeah, that's episode two. Yeah, that episode is terrible. Yeah. Happens in that episode. Nope. Even when she meets her long old friends, that black chick's like staring her down like she's an evil bitch. I'm like, well, why does she hate her? Guess what, fans? You never find out. Nope. Almost tells a character. She almost tells a character that has no relation to her uh, later on in the story, but doesn't get quite to it and then gets hit over the head. Good for her. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I'll tell you right now that episode two is the runner up to my least favorite episode. It's very up there, but my least favorite is actually three. So three has a few things that happen. It's the episode where the belters steal the proto kill from Fred and murder Fred. It's also the episode where Naomi first starts to interact with Marcos and uh, her son, Philip. And This episode, it's called Mother, and it's the mother of all pieces of shit. It is a piece of shit. This episode was boring. It, I remember when I finished watching this episode, I I actually thought to myself, should I keep watching this season? It was so bad. Because they blew their load, and it wasn't good. It's like, when a character like Fred dies you would think that would be one of the highlights of the season. It wasn't. It was a black mark on the season. Stuff actually happens, but it's not impactful. It's not inventful. It does not have any consequences. It feels exhibition. It feels like an exhibition episode that's supposed to have all of the stakes of the Red Wedding, but has only the stakes of like a preseason football game in early August. <laughs> it it makes no sense other than the fact to just propel this 
little family squabble storyline with Naomi and to just kill off Fred because he was too expensive to appear in the rest of the show. I don't know. Wasn't good. Wasn't a good episode. I think it's the worst. That being said, Broadcaster Nichols. What they did to my boy. What they did to my boy. Here in the Crack Cellar, as you know, we have a segment called The Hit, The Miss, and The Whiff. Broadcaster Nichols, what is your hit? My hit would be The Rocks on Earth. Oh, too soon. No. Um, Are you telling me you smoke rocks? Here at the Crack Cellar, we have an exclusive brand of rock merchandise. (laughs) (laughs) I think the hit, honestly, would be Amos. I think Amos's character got a really cool arc. This, I mean, maybe not the hit itself was Amos, but Amos's little character story arc was really cool. I liked him coming down to Earth. I liked the idea of him being trapped on Earth afterwards, after the event, and him like his whole story was like getting back to outer space and like going through refugee camp and just saying fuck it with uh, Jewel Pierre Mao's other daughter, the super soldier, which I thought was never going to come back, which I thought was pretty cool. She's like an X-23 like character. Pretty dope. Yep. So I thought the team up and relation potential relationship between them was pretty cool. (laughs) The con like progressing the compound of that, that lone gunner, you know, that was all, it was all really cool stuff. And uh, especially at the very end, like where, (laughs) His one arm friend was just like waiting for the roof to open. He's like, fuck it. <laughs> and just hits the button and burns all those motherfuckers alive. It was pretty cool. Yeah. I like that stuff. I, I think even though Naomi's arc was definitely probably is the best part of like the series overall. I think Amos didn't really ever get too much attention in the series overall. So I'll give him the hit for this season. Mm. They did him well. Yeah, my my hit is also the Earth storyline. Very ironic because the whole reason I like the Expanse is because of how they treat space. But this season, the only saving grace is how they treat Earth. (laughs) The Amos Earth storyline felt like it felt like a very good season of The Walking Dead. Not because there are zombies, but because of the way the story was written and presented on camera. It starts out like, oh, we're in this underground bunker. Amos is visiting this chick that is a really great friend that's in life in prison and he feels bad. And like the 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 planet's bombed by the meteors and oh, now it's escape from the underground prison. And that whole part was really compelling. Like the whole like, oh, Will she turn on him? She is a mutant. She can murder everyone at any time. Like that whole aspect of her character with Amos and like how tough of a guy Amos is, but Amos can't do anything against her if she wants to kill him. Not a damn thing. She's a mutant. So like that whole dynamic between those two, them escaping the prison, getting to the the top, then like going on like this walking dead style traveling arc through like the ruined, you know, ashes of civilization, getting to the point where they get to that guy's house and like the guy's like defending his house, very walking again, walking dead style. Like he shows up with the gun, like, what are you doing here? And like them taking him out and taking his house over. And then eventually 
going to this like rich compound where they find a spaceship that can get them off the planet. It was perfect. I loved that arc. I think that if the whole season was on that level, this could have been one of the best seasons of the show. But oh yeah, that's why it's, nothing that's else. Why episode was. nine was Winnipesaukee. Because it was the end of the, that storyline too. That's where those ships were at. That was Lake Winnipesaukee. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> okay. Yeah, now I remember. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it was great. And uh, that being said, broadcaster Nichols, what is your miss? There's a lot of misses. You. It's just a matter of which one do you want to pick? I think the most glaring miss is what's her name in the first few episodes the reporter chick why is she still in the series she served no purpose other than being held as a hostage in the first two episodes i think that was it then she was just like i'm coming aboard and they were like okay (laughs) you know and that was it (laughs) she had a couple throwaway lines where she's like trying to be important and that was it (laughs) I don't get where they like waste money like that. There's the, this season clearly was competing for space. It was clearly competing on its slow budget and they had throwaway characters like that Mm. running amok in the story. Just seemed running. I mean, I, I'm, I'm honestly, it was, it was between her or Philip the the actual son because i just i hated his character's performance i hate how he was written and all that stuff but at least he served a purpose you know he had some well they wanted it to be a good purpose but it was you know it was whatever you know but nonetheless the reporter served no fucking purpose so i'm just gonna say that's complete fucking miss yeah yeah the reporter served no purpose I didn't mind her acting like the characters acting. I think it was just poorly written and just a bad role. Philip, on the other hand is a pivotal role and it was poorly acted and poorly written. Indeed. (laughs) That being said, my miss is no Miller, no Ashford, lots of problems. Yeah. We went from having Miller as a permanent character in season one a permanent character in most of season. Let's no, let's be real about Half this. Season two. He's the main character of season one, and he's the main character of half of season two. Then he dies and goes away, and then he comes back in season three as like this weird alien apparition version of himself in Holden's head. Great. Season four, he comes back also the same weird alien apparition in his head. He holds this show together like glue. He is gone in season five. And (laughs) oh man, can you feel the ramifications of that? The glue has been undone. Yeah, you you lose the purpose. The show lost its purpose. It did. And then the belt lost its shepherd. Ashford was the best belter character in the show by... A billion miles. Most of the belters are memes. They're not they're not funny. They're not cool. You feel a little bad when you watch them because like you're like, what's wrong Anderson with Anderson Boz was cool, but he was nowhere to be seen as well. Yeah. 
there's a few okay belters, but in my in my opinion, Ashford is the greatest belter by a mile, by a country mile, and him not being in it, Miller not being in it, it well, he you they could feel him. the impact it made they on the season. Last season. Ashford got his fucking he got kicked out the goddamn ship by Marco. Right. And it's just without him and without Miller, the show loses a lot of umph. I don't really know how to describe it, but you just can't explain how big of an impact those two not being in the season makes in this season. I think it's one of the main contributing factors to seasons five being just not being very good. Yeah, I never really thought about it, but I mean, Thomas Jane is like the main reason I even watched the series to begin with. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It is the original reason I picked up the show was because I love Thomas Jane. The Punisher, man. Punisher's in this shit. And uh, the Punisher's gone. He is gone. That being said, Broadcaster Nichols, what is your whiff? I think the whiff probably going to be that shitty ass CGI fucking ship. <laughs> the tease oh, that they thought was going to like tide people over. They're like, sorry, this season sucked. It's like a postcard floating in the sky. They're like, see you soon. <laughs> yeah. Some of the ship, some of the ship CG was legitimately worse than early seasons of Stargate SG-1 that aired in the year 2000. For sure. Just the alien CG in general, like the little orange digital mist or worm vapor thing that like uh, like erases everybody as it passes through. That was lame as fuck, too. It was. Like, it was so low budget. Especially after what you saw. Remember, like, the, the abstract shape creature? From season four that mm-hmm. crawled that just came out of nowhere. You're like, what the fuck is that? Yeah. <laughs> like I was waiting for some of that, more of that, you know? We and, all were, and we never yeah. got it. Yeah. Sad. It That's is sad. A- and what is also sad is my whiff, Broadcaster Nichols. And that is Alex Kamal getting me too'd off the show. Uh I knew that was coming. What a what a way to ruin a show in its final seasons. Like you just think like, okay, couldn't leave it alone. You have this show. It's based on books. You have pre-established character arcs. You're not just flying off your, your pants here. You're like, you have an arc that you are following and you're just like, you know what? Nah, this guy may or may not have, you know, had too rough of sex with some chick that is accusing him of, you know, maybe not like it, it's so like nebulous the allegations against the actor that plays Alex Kamal. Like they're not like really specific. It's not like, oh, he held me in a dungeon and raped me fifteen times when I was chained to a wall. It's not that. It's it's much more like fucking oh, well, you know, uh I had sex with him and uh you know, he did something I wasn't super comfortable with for a few seconds and uh i want to ruin his life now that's kind of how it felt when i originally read the accusations and i don't know if he's guilty or not but either way it is such a big whiff to totally ruin your show because this guy might have done something a little untoward towards a date on some random night 
it's a it's a disgrace. You have left a permanent pox on this show. You have left a permanent red mark on this show for no reason. Fifteen years from now, even if he is guilty, no one gives a fuck. You're 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 painting a portrait. You're making a piece of art that is going to exist through time, and you are sabotaging it for a few woke points with a crowd of people that don't even watch your show. I wonder how many people would fucking respect Leonardo da Vinci. They actually None. met him in person, you know. None. <laughs> you know, or like Vincent Van Gogh. Van Gogh. Van Gogh. Yeah, None. You know, like, these people hired whores and fucking had syphilis and fucking Mozart. None. Yeah. <laughs> it's sad, dude. It's so sad. We just watched the sabotage of this show, and it. It can't be understated how short-sighted and myopic that choice was. But as you know, Broadcaster Nichols, here on the Crack Cellar, we do have an official patented Nick Cage rating system. On that system, how do you rate Season 5 of The Expanse? It's hard to say, you know, because after five long seasons... You know, we've been with it for a while. Mm. I want to say I could give this season a rock. Ooh. Want to say I could give it maybe even a con air. <laughs> Damn. But fortunately, after long, 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 long consideration, I'm going to give it a Ghost Rider. Oh. Damn, damn, dude. You went from Con Air to Ghost Rider in a second. <laughs> I wanted to know I wanted to know its potential <laughs> and where it fell. You've given a lot of Ghost Riders this year. That's interesting. Yeah. It's There's not a good a year for broadcasters. Been Nichols. a lot of Ghost Riders. I yeah. mean, it could possibly be a Wicker Man. You know, I'll revive. I'll revive. <laughs> All right. Possible All right. wicker man, okay. It's a possible. It's after <laughs> after considerable deliberation. It's a wicker man. <laughs> I'm gonna give it a C. That was a very eventful one and a half minutes of podcasting. There, we went from every rating on the book except for a face off. Yeah, which. <laughs> It's relevant, which I will not go near right now because it is holier than ever. Mm. Well, Broadcaster Nichols, I agree with your final rating. I will give it a wicker man. It is very poor. It is not a good season of The Expanse. It is not a good season of science fiction in general. But it's I. You know what I mean? Like, I watched it, and I was like, eh, okay, like, uh, I'll keep watching. See, it, was, it was okay, but you you watch it, and you're just like, man, when you have followed the show from the beginning, you cannot be, you cannot help but be supremely disappointed. Coming off of season four, especially yeah. with this season, like, it's just such a letdown in every way possible. And the few shining moments of this season, I would compare to the show The Walking Dead, which I'm not very happy with either right now. 
So it's like you're you're not happy with the Walking Dead. <laughs> That's a way to describe it. I guess I'm trying to be politically correct, okay, broadcaster Nichols. <laughs> yeah, I give I give this a. Um, I'm gonna actually say a weak quicker man. I agree with you that this could borderline. This could borderline into Ghost Rider pretty easily, but I'm gonna give it the benefit of the doubt only. Because of the Amo storyline. What's in between Wicker Man and Ghost Rider? Bangkok Dangerous? <laughs> ah, that's a good one. <laughs> Give that's it a, a C minus, which is technically a Bangkok. <laughs> uh, well, wow, that should be good. You know, in the future, maybe we should make a sub rating system. <laughs> Squeeze in some more of those Nick Cage gems. We'll be like IGN. It was a 5.8. after careful deliberation (laughs) and on that note broadcaster Nichols I think it's time we close out (laughs) 